0: okay then emma how are you doing good thank you thanks for having Great. me oh no problem at all it's good to have you here so you go under the name emma so it's emma roberts but yes it's blue glasses
1: girl yes that's my brand yes
0: and you you are a creative coach yep artist a stand-up comedian Oh yeah, I forgot about that bit. You're also (laughs) an activist, well, neurodiversity, disability, am I right in saying that? That's right, yeah. Activist is a good word, yeah. Right, okay then. And and writer too. Yeah. So you're a woman of many talents. That's it, as as all
1: women are, in my experience. That's true.
0: (laughs) True enough, true enough. So tell us a little
1: bit about yourself, Emma. Well, you've already said some of it there I mean what I'd probably add to that is um you know what's important to my identity is I'm I'm actually a disabled woman and that's how I identify myself and and I care full-time for my disabled son uh like you say I do work freelance when I can um and about a year ago I created the brand blue glasses girl and the aim of that was to uh reduce ableism through creativity that's the goal of the brand um And I think you've already mentioned what I do from that, like the creative coaching. Um, I also do consultation about how to make the arts more accessible, for people with disabilities. And then recently, um, a new thing was that I was um, commissioned by um, Co-Create Arts and Health, which is a new um, community organisation, to write an online creative wellness course, which is something I've wanted to do for years. So it was like a dream coming to fruition, really. Um, and that just went live this week for families in Bradford oh that's brilliant
0: well put Um, a link let us know a link to that and we can put it in the notes or somewhere anyway we'll put put a link to it it? so when you said you described it as ableist was it
1: ableist ableism yeah just tell me a little bit about that because I'm not really sure about that Yeah, so ableism is a term that means when somebody discriminates against somebody, Mm. um, so the person that's doing it is an ableist. So um, so able means obviously able-bodied. So somebody who's non-disabled is presuming that the other person can do something that they could do. I see, yeah. So so obviously I because I don't look disabled in Mm. some ways like traditionally and my son doesn't look disabled we obviously get a lot of we experience a lot of ableism so people expecting us to be capable and able to do certain things that our disability prevents us from doing and we call that ableism okay
0: no that makes sense and that I'm just thinking about a lady who comes to my yoga classes who has MS. And I also know a friend as well. Well, you know this person as well, don't you? Um, And she experiences the same thing. People see her as being able-bodied when actually she's not, but they assume, make assumptions. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's like like an inherent prejudice against people with disabilities. Um, So it's like basically assuming we've got certain abilities or skills or characteristics you know based on either our disability that we do have or not having that disability it kind of works both ways yeah so you do an awful
0: lot of things Emma I'm not sure how you manage to keep up with everything that you do (laughs) what are what are the best bits and then also the worst bits I guess about what you do in terms of what you're doing at the moment
1: I mean another thing I haven't mentioned as well that's really important part of who I am is that I am a Christian as well yeah and that obviously informs everything that I do uh, my faith and I do enjoy doing charity work so the best bits of what I do is just see just me seeing and knowing and making a positive change in people's lives that's that's my biggest motivator really
0: is that the kind of thing that underpins everything that
1: you do then Ultimately, yeah. I mean, if 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 I wasn't seeing that, if I wasn't seeing any positive benefits, I just wouldn't do what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't be motivated. Um, and the worst part, uh, obviously, to, like we've just touched on ableism, which is a type of discrimination. But going even further than that is seeing inequalities and injustices that, that really um that's the negative side of the motivation isn't it it's like because you see those social injustices because you see those inequalities you want to do things that bring things back into balance in a way yeah so you can see a change make a difference yeah, yeah. um and it's, it's a hard slog isn't it it's not an easy one battling will it be ever won? and you know will we ever do it will we ever achieve it will we ever get balance will people treat each other as equals in a kind of fair just society, will we ever have that? Who knows? But does that mean we should give up? Do you know what I mean? Does that mean we should not do anything then and just roll over and just accept things? No, I don't think we should. No. Yeah, it's it's good that people like yourself are fighting the, um,
0: yeah, just willing to make a stand and, and talk about these things. I think it is. and
1: hopefully, hopefully, fighting in a in a positive way as well, like in a creative way. This is where I use my creativity for activism. Mm. So it's trying to, you know, not everybody who agrees with stereotypes or, you know, buys into them, is doing it from a place of um, uh, prejudice, are they? You know, or hatred. They might It might just be ignorance. They may not know. So there's a way we need to start educating people. If we can do that in a creative way, in a positive way, then that, that's a great way to start, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And a lot of the stuff that you do is it's underpinned by
0: creativity, isn't it? You, like you mentioned that um, course that you've just done for Bradford creativity seems like it's something that's really important to you
1: yeah it was something um it was something that really helped me out and has helped me out in my most darkest times that's why I feel quite passionate about it because of all the different coping strategies and all the things I've tried um using your own creativity is, is just was the most helpful thing and is the most rewarding as well I've found
0: you always found it easy to tap into your
1: creativity because I know mm, but no. it's
0: not always so easy, is it? We can have um, creative blocks.
1: Yeah, no, not at all. In fact, my journey with creativity has been a very interesting one. So in terms of writing, I've always done that. Um, so my creativity comes out in my art and my writing mostly. Uh, but I've always written from, for as long as I can remember. I remember, you know, learning to write and never putting a pen down, really. Um, but in terms of creating art, I used to really enjoy the process. But through the traditional education system, it made me um, not want to create. You know, I was told that, I, you know, I was told negative things about my art as a young person. And that made me switch off to a lot of creative things. And music's always been something I've engaged with. Writing's always been something I've engaged with. But actually using my own hands, other than to write but to create something, um, wasn't something I felt I had access to until much later in my life and so that's another reason why I do what I do because I want to show people that you can at any point come back to your creativity you know even Mm -hmm. if it's just starting small steps
0: yeah was there would there be any tips then for I mean I'm putting you on the spot here a bit but (laughs) wondering if there's any like tips you could give people who maybe struggle with that inner critic or inner voice or people's voices from the past like teachers maybe who put them down or kids at school and seem to have along the way lost their way and find it hard to to connect with their creativity
1: um i think yes there's a a couple of questions in there there's one about what do you do when it's yourself holding on to what people have told you in the past and then there's another part isn't there which is do you dare just give it a go you know and is it stopping you from giving it a go what other people have said mm-hmm. I mean one thing I learned was you have to put to one side the stories you tell yourself you know that come from other people mm-hmm. so we have a script over like to say I'm running in our head that you know Mr Jones said this when I was 13 years old or you know mother said that or you know the neighbor said this and um and what's really interesting, I suppose my tip would be, having studied psychology, is we have some, we have a kind of um, a negative preference. It's just something that happens naturally in our brain. So we are geared up as humans to look for negative patterns. So you're more likely to remember all those negative comments people have said about something that you've created, then you are the one positive. So if you could just write down any positives you know, or remember, you know, just reminisce about positive comments, look at, look at what inspires you around you, you know, I mean, I I don't think there's one person's house I've been to that hasn't got something colourful or something creative or a nice plant or a nice piece of music or something that inspires them, you know, and that in itself is creative, that is creative inspiration. And, to deny yourself that because somebody else has said that you're not capable is is really a spiritual loss I think do, yeah. do you know what well, I mean you, it's kind of selfish yeah, right yeah you're, you know, right, you're right because it is our
0: soul kind of there's a need within us I think to express yeah. ourselves in, in a create in a way well in in a way that's true to who we are and that that is creative isn't it that's being creative as well.
1: Sometimes you might need other people to facilitate that. So sometimes you might need to go to a group where somebody encourages you if you, you feel scared you know to put a pen on paper. I've had some I've had some great tutors and met some wonderful artists that have encouraged that creativity out of me you know so don't mm-hmm. be afraid don't be afraid to go back and go in a group or go to a class or do an yeah, online yeah. lesson and don't worry the biggest advice I've got, the biggest tip I've got is please don't feel you can get it wrong. You know, there's too many people that are quick to judge, you know, and slow to be kind and say, oh, that's not right. Or you've got it wrong. I mean, the amount of times I've created something and thought, oh, this is magical. And then I've shown it to somebody and they've gone, what's that? Oh, that's not very good. (laughs) You know, and I just have to I just have to accept that they don't see what I see in my own creation. And that's fine you know just move from it but when we start to take them comments into our person and into yeah. who we are and our sense of identity and we tell ourselves that you know we have to stop at that point it's not true so yeah. I think my motto for life okay you just keep going no matter what just keep going <laughs> yeah yeah you
0: do it's true though you do remember that one negative comment will stick far more in your out in your mind than all the positive ones that you might have had but you've just chosen to kind of ignore so what inspires and motivates you to
1: do what you do then would you say well my inspiration definitely comes from jesus because he loved people unconditionally and he called us to love one another and it's such a simple task and yet so hard it seems for people in this world to be able to do you know again with the negative bias that we have which is an actual thing if you google negative bias about the fact that the brain looks for negative patterns it's almost like we replicate that in society rather than being loving and kind, we'll try and look for the criticism first or look for the catch or look for the negative thing, you know, and um, when when we should be really looking for the positives and, and and being kind. But I think I think we touched on it earlier that my motivation is that sense of purpose and achievement. And that's different for everybody, isn't it? Like, you know, when you feel accomplished or you're achieving something. Um, because I do think self-development is like a continual journey, isn't it, through life? It doesn't stop until Pass away. So for me, it's I'm motivated by seeing people thriving and and knowing that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it sounds like you are. Well, you always are. You, you know, you, you are quite. You're quite impressive with the the scope of different activities that you do. Do you know that you do? I mean, you, that you bring into your work as well. I think that is pretty impressive. So you mentioned about some, stru- we didn't really talk about it before, but you said about, I can't actually remember what you said, but what's, what would you say would,
1: has been your biggest struggle up to now? So my biggest struggle, okay, has been living with mental illness. Mm. Um, and then also I didn't have any parents or family for the majority of my life. So I was diagnosed with a mental illness called um, complex PTSD when I was 19. I'm 41 now, um, and I lost biological. I lost contact with my biological father when I was four, and reconnected with him when I was 34. Um, my mother, I was estranged from from the age of 19, and she died in December. So, being a mother without a mother was a very particular struggle. I think that I went through. Yeah, and,
0: and what would you say helped you overcome it?
1: I don't think you're I mean, Not that like you overcoming
0: that. it as such, but yeah. it's something, it's a process, isn't it, that you're still going yeah Yeah,
1: yeah, but I like the fact that you asked that is but overcome, because I think that is a big misconception, isn't it? Mm. I think people take sort of life challenges or life stages as, you know, rather than just being growth, we're going through one phase to another to another. It's almost like, oh, you had something really terrible happen or something traumatic and you must overcome it. And it's like, we've always got to be these overcomers, but it takes time, it takes processing, it takes healing, do you see what I mean? And it's like there's yeah. too much pressure sometimes for things to overcome and be done with it, and are you over that yet? And this all, you know, over it philosophy, and I do see a sea of change, you know, I do see people becoming more compassionate and, and not expecting people to be, you know, overcome things as much, um, yeah. but I think it's more just about actually learning to live with things sometimes isn't it I mean for me having a mental illness it's a daily challenge it's not something I'm going to overcome because I'm going to have it forever so I just have to learn different strategies and different ways of managing my health really
0: yeah I I mean for other people who are in who have a mental health illness issue whatever it might be you don't let it stop you though do you 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 don't let it prevent you from doing the things that you want to do
1: It has stopped me. It has Mm. definitely stopped me in my tracks. Many, many, many times I've lost my home. I've lost my career. I lost at a point my ability to drive. Um, I once at one point lost my ability to even leave my own home uh, because my depression was so crippling and my anxiety. So yes, it has stopped me. And and so in that sense, it's funny because now I would be seen as an overcomer, wouldn't I? Because I can start to do some of those things now but that's really not how it works when you live with mental illness. You can have a period of real good wellness where you, you, you're in a, a well state. You're still living with a mental illness, but you're in recovery and you're doing well. But then you can also have periods of darkness and where your mental health declines. And it can happen very rapidly, which people with mental illness will explain to you, I'm sure. Um. So again, that's where the overcoming thing comes in, isn't it? Is it overcoming or is it just actually acknowledging that that's part of the illness that can happen but I do agree with you that that I have the life to be lived I think that's yeah. what you're recognizing do you know what I mean I, I think I think I, I, I find value in my life you know as much as I can yeah yeah I, I think
0: as well what I'm trying to say as well is like so I think
1: sometimes
0: we can get a bit we can think we can't we don't always like at the moment you've been doing various projects but there'll be times up yeah. there where things will maybe take a downward turn for whatever reason you might start to struggle same with myself and sometimes you just lose motivation but it doesn't mean to say that that's just part of the the journey I guess sometimes isn't it that sometimes it doesn't always we're not always going to be switched on we're not always going to be able to kind of um you know really getting getting things done as much as we would like to do
1: you know what i think you're talking about kenzie it's such an important thing and it's definitely something that, it's definitely something that i've learned from my experience with mental illness. it's about acceptance yeah do you know what I mean? accepting that some things are just not in your control like Like, I live with an illness, but the illness itself, being part of me, I can't control it. You know, what it does to my mental state, you know, when it makes me ill, when it makes me feel depressed or anxious, I don't actually have any control over that. Yeah. So I have to kind of accept that. So like you say, if somebody's having a down hour, a down day, a down week, a down month, and they are berating themselves for not being their best self at that moment in time, That is just kind of a wicked form of torture that we do to ourselves, isn't it? Because you don't have actually any control of that. We can only control what is within our control. So it's, it's really, I can't describe to you how frustrating it is when you get sick. Do you know what I mean? And like, and, and people will know, like yourself, when they're feeling demotivated or they get low mood or they get held back, it's the most frustrating thing ever, isn't it? you just like, I just want to get back on track. I just want to feel good. I just want to have energy. I just want to be motivated and do everything. And it's, it is the worst feeling in the world. But on the other side of it, it's, as you say, we'll, we'll come through it, isn't it? It's like passing through a tunnel, isn't it? You know, and if we went on a train journey and we didn't pass through a tunnel, then there's no bridges, is there? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just part mm. of reality, isn't it? We yeah, have to there's, think there's
0: always going to be, to have ups, there's got to be downs, hasn't there?
1: That's it. I mean, like, if we didn't have rainfall, no plants would grow, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And you touched on the best, you know, there's lots of talk about living your best life. What do you make of that That kind of cliched statement? Because there's a lot of talk well, about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. This is the thing. I said that kind of tongue-in-cheek because there is a lot of these trite sayings, and I do believe them. I do believe you can live your best life, but Mm. it's up to you to decide what that looks like, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If your best life is that you can get out of bed in the morning and and get through a day, you know, then that's your best life right now, isn't it? It depends how far you go with, with those cliches, isn't it? I think sometimes um, there's like an overdose of positivity. That's how I see it, you know, live your Mm. best life. But is there pressure coming from that? Do you feel pressure then that you have to perform in a certain way? You know, um,
0: I think they can, be, can't, they? A lot of expectations Mm. placed on people. Yeah. With social media, it, it puts out this idea of people living this life, this amazing life, which actually is not necessarily a reality
1: for what's really going on sometimes behind the scenes is it unfortunately there's a lot of that fakeness isn't there people mm. trying to be all and everything to everybody isn't there and 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 and, and then what do we do when the mask slips you know if 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 you're not being real if you're not being your authentic self you're going to have a massive fall from grace you know and that's what's that's what's really this is what i'm saying about the health and being in control of it if somebody then starts to struggle, do they feel safe asking for help? Can they reach out? Or have they created this facade that they've got to keep up, you know? Yeah. Mm. yeah. And that's the danger, isn't it? That's that's the danger. That's the trade-off with are you really living your best life or are you living a life... Oh, living broken? someone else's. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So you, when your tagline on your Blue Glasses Girl website is Your Life, Your Way and sometimes it can be really hard to stay true to ourselves yeah I was just wondering about how you managed to to con- to to keep doing what you're doing but yet keep remaining true to who you are
1: um I think I think, um, I think, it's just one of the lessons that I've learned along the way is that I didn't really have a choice. I found that, I think we all fall into that trap of feeling we've got to prove ourselves to others, don't we? And yeah. um, I, I've been in that trap. And I think when I was in that trap and trying to be what I thought the world wanted me to be, you know, to so be the kind of mother that I thought the world expected me to be, the kind of student, the kind of employee, the kind of neighbor, you know, the kind of parent, um, you know, daughter, you name it, all the labels we have, you know, trying to be everything to everybody. Um, When I was doing those things, I was very disconnected with who I was and my values and what I wanted out of life. And that's why I say, you know, your life, your way, because you are your own expert, only you know, what you want from your life and so much we take influence from everybody else and everywhere else um and it does make me worry about young people you know nowadays it makes me worry it makes me think you know how are they going to be in touch with their inner selves and get to know themselves and um you know i think one of the biggest lessons i learned is that i have nothing to prove to anyone only myself Um, and i think I had quite a unique experience because with me not having a family to influence me for such a, a long length of time, um, I actually did fall into that trap of feeling, I've got to prove what I'm worth. You know, I studied degrees, I was successful and I thought, look at all I've achieved, you know what I mean? I'm worthy now, you know, I'm worthy to be loved and, um, you know, the world's going to like me, but then I... Um, but then I started to focus inward and really connected with my faith and I experienced a different type of love, which is a spiritual love. And then I felt more connected with a different type of worth, you know, my true worth, which is who I am, my myself, you know, as Emma. And now I feel loved regardless. So it is that it is that ability to love yourself and understand that your life is of value regardless of what happens around you and that other people don't get to decide what you're worth and other people don't get to put, you know, put worth on you really. What others think and feel of you is separate to who you are.
0: Mm-hmm. Well said, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well said. And um, So have you got any particular resources tools or practices that really help you when in tough times
1: yeah I mean if when I've been at at like my darkest times it has been difficult sometimes to even reach out and get support that I might need to get but definitely speaking to professionals is something you have to do if you get to that stage or attending support groups um getting you know getting as much practical help as you can but if you're talking just like in terms of your recovery or day-to-day practices, um, I did train in therapeutic mindfulness. Um, so I do practice mindfulness through my creative practices, which is obviously my art and drawing. Um, being connected to nature, I find really uplifting and very fulfilling spiritually as well. So walking, I like to watch nature. So again, it's a mindful thing just to literally just sit and watch a bird in a tree, you know, just take that moment. Um, gardening but I think like seeing life growing it's so so nurturing isn't it you know if you can see like a plant growing like I've, I've just like I've been doing loads of planting over the last couple of months and you know in the summer it's been lovely Um journaling my thoughts and feelings and um, obviously life coaching big advocate of having life coaching I'm having life coaching at the minute I've been having life coaching for the last uh four months because um my, my colleague um, got in touch with me, and we, we're co-coaching each other because we recognised, hey, we're going into lockdown. Are we going to keep motivated? Are we going to stay on our goals? And then self-coaching, so when I've not had access to a coach, I've used some of the tools that I know work as a coach as well. Yeah, yeah. In terms of
0: journaling and, and self-coaching, have you got any suggestions or tips for anyone who, who might be listening as to how they could could do those things themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, the internet's a great resource, so don't be scared. Don't worry that you don't know how to do it and don't let that get in the way of you looking it up because there's lots of advice online. Pinterest is really great to show you a system called bullet journaling. So I really recommend that you Google that. Um, one thing that I found is because of my disability, because of my mental illness and my dyslexia, my early syndrome, I find it very hard to organize my thoughts. It does affect how I write as well. And so bullet journaling, is, it's almost like um, instead of having a diary, you've got a little bit more information and it's a slightly different structure. So it worked for me. It doesn't work for everybody. But literally, you can just jot down. Um, a, a great way to start is just jot down your essential things that you need to remember. Um, so like your to-do list, um, you know, what your week ahead looks like. But then within that, you can every day just write down one or two things that you're grateful for. If you can think of three, even better. And that's like a mini gratitude journal. And also I would write like my wins for the week. So things that I've done. Um, But keeping the journal, the important bit about keeping the journal is when we're feeling well and when we're feeling good, we praise ourselves. Right. We say, well done. You've had a good week. You know, you've done really well you know you've got through that to-do list, you know that you've looked after the kids, you know the house is in order, you know, you know you've know you seen your family, you know everything's going well. When we have a slump, everything goes wrong. Have you noticed that? We catastrophize. It's certainly part of my mental illness. It's like I've done nothing, you know, the house is a wreck, I've just shouted at my child all week, you know, this is a disaster. And that is not actually true. That is just catastrophizing. It hasn't been as bad as you think. But when you keep the journal, it's a it's a historical written document. You can go back and look at it and say, "Well, actually, I did do that and I did do this." And it's been a tool for me to really keep my life together. When I think things have been going very wrong, um, I can look back at like the goals that I've set. Um, so goal setting again. Google that and you might need support of the coach if you're first getting started with that but once you learn how to set goals how to set deadlines and keep to them it's um, it's a great system for you to use and once you've put the goals in place it's really important that you have them written down or you have some way of recording them or somebody to record them for you because it's been able to this is what I think a lot of people underestimate Kate's being able to go back and see what you've achieved because if we don't have a sense of achievement, we won't praise ourselves. We won't feel motivated and we won't continue to move forward. So, you know, you are asking me earlier, how and How do you keep moving forward? I'm telling you now, this is how. By keeping a record of everything I do. And it is to the point of pedantic. I do record everything. I've got um, my notepad in my phone and I write down everything as I'm going along. I write down a thought I have. I write down my shopping list. I write down ideas for my comedy, you know, whatever I'm doing, I'm on the go and I make sure that it's saved. And you know what it is, right, Kay? That is me saying my thoughts are important, what I think is important, you know, what my passions, what I'm doing are important to me. They're so important that I'm going to take that 30 seconds to write it down. And what I find really sad is some people won't even even give themselves that. At the end of the day, they won't even write down three things they're grateful for or be scared to get that pen and paper out, because they see that as an act of selfishness.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've never thought about it like that. I'm I'm always a person who's got a pen and a pad. I use my phone as well, my notes on my phone. But I do think it is goal setting. I think it's pretty... I think it can be really hard to do it on your own sometimes. Yeah. Help to have a coach for definite.
1: And you don't need them forever. So, you know... I mean, I remember the first time I accessed coaching. I probably had coaching for about six months. And then after that, I was, I'd was i learned enough to know how to set myself a goal. Do you see what I mean? And mm. there is tools and resources out there. It's something I cover in the, the creative wellness co- uh, course. And I do want to talk to people more about it. And it. I don't want it to be obscure. I think its it can sound a bit obscure, kind of like goal setting. But actually, it is a really simple thing to do once you've got the hang of it. But it's like anything new, isn't it? And I think because it's so positive as well, we're not used to putting positive focus on our own personal life, are we? To set a goal for ourselves, for us, for us to achieve by ourselves, is quite an unnatural thing. You know, we're actually designed, aren't we? And we've got a society set up to go work for somebody else and then set the perimeters and then set the goals and then tell you how to reach those goals and by what day and how much you'd be paid if you do that.
0: Well, it's always easier as well, isn't it? When someone else gives you a deadline to work to, I know I always find it easier when I'm working, say like I am at the moment with the university, they set me a deadline and I'll I'll make sure I meet it. But when it's myself and I'm setting my own deadline, it's easier to just go, oh, well, I said I'd do that. But to, yeah, to, to not honor that, even though actually that's, it's not great to do that because then you start to lose trust in yourself if you're not careful.
1: Well, we, we're, well we're, the way that we train children is through an incentive system, don't we? That's how we're brought up in childhood. So we're kind of trained to please other people. You know, if you do this, you will get this. You know, it's like a reward incentive, isn't it, all the time? So, and then that carries on into adulthood. So I think what I find with a lot of people when I'm coaching them or talking to them is they find that very hard to flip that script and say, okay, the reward is, is actually me achieving it for myself. So you set the goal. And the reward is, is so far outweighs the, the pleasure and the gratification I get from achieving my own goal, far outweighs anything anybody else could provide for me, It like fills me up, you know, psychologically, spiritually, physically, I feel so much better. So like, i have liken it to say, for example, somebody who loves going to the gym, I like to go to the gym, but I'm talking about somebody who trains at the gym, they will say, that well, I feel amazing because I've You know, I've lifted so many weights this week. And it's not just because they're physically lifting the weights. It's because they've just pushed themselves a little bit further, just lifted a little bit more than they did last time. And it's that sense of achievement and that goal. And it's funny how it's okay, isn't it, in certain settings like that? It's okay if people can see results. Um, But what I find really interesting is when I say to people, I'm working on my goals at the minute because they're not tangible to them, they can't see them. It's almost as though it's not its not accepted. It's not believed that I could have my own goals. You know, again, it's got to be something that's external to society. Somebody's got to see the result of it. Um, yes. And a lot of, a lot of artists experience this as well, okay, when they're creating their art. So they might take months to create a piece of art. And it's a very, same with writing, a very isolated, and insulate. I like working on my own, like being on my own and having my own time to create and having my own space. It's not for everyone and what what I hear them saying is that people wonder where they've gone for a few months like where are they and like well they're creating art and they're like well they must be doing nothing you know these lazy artists that spend all day creating music and art what are they doing you know and the government look at what's just happened now the government are fueling that fire aren't they suggesting that creatives should go retrain is something oh yeah that's that's
0: appalling. is that isn't it I couldn't believe that actually I was like How dare they suggest such a thing? Yeah, I was appalled.
1: So it's seen as as second rate, isn't it?
0: You know, clearly clearly it is, yeah. Well, by the government particularly, yeah. Well, there's so much emphasis in school, isn't there, on academia, when actually the arts, they, they get brushed under the carpet a lot, don't they?
1: Well, as a person who's got three degrees, you know, I studied... I studied a degree. I did a. I did a. I did a. An, I did an honors degree. I then went on and studied a master's degree. I then went on and studied a PhD, which I almost completed. And 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 I spent twelve years studying. And you got to just say, okay, well, I've been in the academic world. Am I any better or worse a human being for being in that academic world? No, not really. I'm still me, you know. And this yeah. is where your own personal sense of identity comes through, isn't it? And I think that's what we're missing. It's like that child who who maybe thrives in the academic world and the child who does not they are still the same person
0: yeah yeah so in terms of like thinking about like what you know now if you had to give some
1: advice to your younger self what advice would you give yourself okay so the advice that i would give to my younger self is you can be do or have whatever you want that'd be the first thing Then I'd say, read the Bible. I'd say, read the book by Rhonda Byrne called The Secret. Only surround yourself with people who show you love and respect. Trust your instinct. Don't ever doubt it. It's 99% of the time it's right. Uh, You are the expert on how you feel. So express clearly to others how you feel and don't feel fearful about doing that. And never feel pressurised to do or agree with anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. And if you ask for help and somebody doesn't listen, don't give up. Just keep asking. Really good. Good. Good
0: advice there for other people as well who are listening, hopefully, too. I like the one about
1: trusting your instincts. I think that is really important. Yeah, I was thinking about that one a lot. That, that was the first thing I thought of, like trusting my gut because I've been in so many situations where, I mean, luckily now I do honour myself more, but I've been in so many situations where I've thought, oh, I had that gut feeling, I'm not sure about this person or I'm not sure about this situation or I'm not sure about this job offer or I'm not sure about this move, you know, or whatever it yeah. might be. But I've sort of put them worries to side. How many times do we do that? You know, just like push them down. And then it hasn't, it hasn't gone well. You know, it hasn't been the right move. Not that anything, you know, um, spectacular bad's happened maybe, but it's just, you look back and you think, ah, but I actually knew that. So wouldn't it be interesting? I was talking to a friend last night and we were saying about the sliding doors effect. I don't know if you've ever seen that film, sliding doors, uh-huh. where I love it. You know, it just takes that minute, doesn't she? And, and see something else. Mm-hmm. And we were saying, do you, do you ever think about those moments in your life where you could have done something differently? like? What if you'd continued dating that person that you didn't, or what if you had have moved country, you know, when you thought about doing it, or something like that? And if, I'm sure I'm I'm sure everybody's no different to me in those down, uh, you know, in those certain days where they're actually thinking, oh, I wonder what in that downtime when they're in their own minds thinking, yeah, I wonder what would have happened if. And we can't dwell in that space, can we? But what I sort of took from that, like when you said giving advice to younger self is. Well, maybe what you could have done differently is just trusted your gut. You know, maybe that was a little like a little ringing bell saying, hey, you know, I'm here. I'm your gut instinct. And I do believe that that gut instinct is our spiritual self. I do believe that's our soul calling to us to to give us spiritual information that we're not connected to because the world distracts us from that. So you're doing yourself a spiritual disservice if you ignore that. Yeah, no, I agree with you there.
0: I do believe it is your spirit. It's like a spiritual calling within you. I do think so. The thing, what I was going to say, oh yeah, I think sometimes people get a little bit stuck about listening into your own intuition, your own inner voice, because sometimes maybe they get mixed up with the inner voice, which is also critical sometimes, and the fear, fear that can be there. And sometimes I guess it's knowing what the difference is between what is fear based and what's wisdom.
1: Oh my gosh, that's such a good point. I never thought about it like that. Okay. So when you're saying trust your gut instinct, but obviously I'm somebody who lives with PTSD and and that is a stress disorder and I have a lot of fear-based thinking and some of it can even be irrational at times so somebody with a mental illness would understand that so if I was to really feed into that you know it could like you were saying it could stop me from doing things or could make make me make unwise choices and it has definitely in my history you know so I totally agree that it's um that is a tricky one isn't it thinking about Like, how do you know if it's your actual intuition is another word people use for it, isn't it? But how do you know you're listening into your true self or how do you know if it's fear based thinking? And I read a book. I don't know if you read it. um, And it was something that gave me a a lot of strength many years ago. I've still got a copy of it in my house now, which is feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and the reason why that book i think resonated with so much is it answers a bit of what you're saying with that question in that it helped me understand what is the difference between a fear that's holding me back which is something we identify a lot in coaching you know these self limiting beliefs things that are holding you back that are just fear based actually and those fear based things are things i think the quickest way the tip i would give for listeners to identify if it's a fear based uh, feeling is is if it's something out of your control. So going back to that circle of control again, if something is within your control, um, then your instinct's probably right about it. So if you get that gut feeling that you're making a choice or action you're not sure about, that is something you probably need to listen to. That's a warning signal, you know, inside yourself. Whereas if it's a fear based from, say, outside... So think about at the minute, we've got lots of information bombarding us, haven't we, about is it safe to go out? Is it safe to socialise? You know, is it safe to touch things? Do we have to wash our hands? Do we have to wear a mask? Lots of conflicting evidence and and nobody's right and nobody's wrong. It's just very confusing at the minute. So th- that information and those things that are coming into our world that are making us feel f- fearful right now, they are actually out of our control, aren't they? We can't control the news that comes in or the restrictions that the government puts in but what we can do is control our attitude towards it
0: yeah no like you say at the moment we are getting bombarded That we're like constantly on the news it is yeah it can be really overwhelming at times but yeah i for me i feel I don't know, it's like a heart, heart reaction I think sometimes. I just think, feel it in my heart that it's the right thing for me and it might not be the right thing for somebody else but I, I listen to what feels right for myself and try and honour that as best as I can. So last question then and this is just a little bit of a silly one really but if, if um, a genie appeared suddenly and you could be granted three wishes Emma, what would they be?
1: I found this a quite hard question. This I have to have a little think on this, and I think, and uh, the three that I've come up with are: I would want guaranteed good health for me and my family. Yeah. Financial freedom, and everyone to experience Jesus's love. Okay, great. So what does financial freedom look like? <laughs> I thought you might ask that, Kay. I'm <laughs> glad you right, actually though, because that's it I means cool different things
0: thing. for different people, of course, doesn't
1: exactly. it? Exactly. That's why I'm glad you you've like drilled down on that because it's interesting that because I thought that was the easiest way for me to sort of answer it in terms of a, you know, a, a wish, if you get what I mean. Uh, because the typical thing, is, isn't it, if you were wishing is somebody said, say, I want lots of money. Do you see what I mean? It'd go like that, wouldn't it? Or I want a mansion or I want a, like, you know, a, a, for me, it'd be a swimming pool. Like that would be my dream. You know, I love swimming. So I'd love like a heated swimming pool. But um, it, it's not about that. Financial freedom for me is about being able to live my life in a way that I wish to live. Um, and that is totally different for everybody else. So, I'm not. I'm not concerned about having money necessarily or having commodities. But if it got to a point where, um, like, like we've been debating this week about children, the free school meals and things like this, if it gets to the point where you're not able to feed your family, or you're not able to travel because you can't afford to do that, or you don't feel safe at home, or you're not able to buy the artistic resources you want so that you can create, you know what I mean? It's like if it starts getting in the way. Your finances of you being able to live whether we call it our best life or whatever we want to call it but living in a way that makes you feel content you know 90 percent of the time um so for example for me charity work's important i like to be able to give unfortunately i'm in a position now where i don't have enough financial freedom to be able to give as much as i would want to um i can't support other people in their dreams and ambitions which is something I'd love to do. So, you know, far off in the future, if I could support other entrepreneurs or support other women to achieve their goals and help them financially with that, I'd love to be able to contribute to that. Um, But I'm not in that position. So for me, freedom means, the word freedom means to be free from any worry, you know, so I'm not having to think where my next meal's coming from or if I can put petrol in the car, you know, or if I can pay my rent. So that's the, that's the main thing. Making sure goes back to Maslow and hierarchy and need, you know, my basic needs are getting met. But beyond that, I've talked to you today about my spiritual development. So being able to provide for the church that I go to, being able to give back into my community and just having that freedom to do that.
0: Yeah. Financial freedom would free you up to be able to do, I mean, you're doing so much already but it does free you up doesn't it to even give even more
1: potentially yeah that's where I would like to be so I'd like to be in a position where um you know I I can give as much of myself because I believe I've had a spiritual calling in my life you know and I believe my calling is to is to obviously just raise awareness and do charitable work and if If not having finances stops me from doing that, then I'm constrained. I don't have financial freedom, you know. I'm not being able to do – and not everybody feels like that. Some people don't want to do charity work, you know. Some people, for them, financial freedom might be um, having a bigger home or a bigger car or providing more um, holidays for their family or whatever or having more children even because, obviously – We need to have more resources if we're going to have a larger family. So it can mean different things to different people. But I think if we just hold on to what the word freedom means, if we didn't put finances before it and just said, well, it's something that stops you from pursuing your passions and your goals and your ambitions, I think then we understand it, don't we? So if there's somebody out there, for example, who wants to be an actress, for example, but can't afford to go to the training school, you know, or can't afford the lessons or can't afford the outfit to wear, you know, then they haven't got financial freedom because there's something inhibiting them from doing what they want to do. For me, obviously, I do a lot of advocacy for disabilities. So I see a lot of inequalities there and, you know, people not being able to access things that they should be able to access. So I think that's where that that idea of freedom comes in, really. Yeah, fair enough, Emma. So I think, I think that's
0: enough really in terms of question wise today but where could people find you if they want to check out what you do or connect with you or even have maybe some coaching with you emma
1: yeah so they can just go over to my website which is www.blueglassesgirl.com and um, through there if you scroll down to the bottom of the page they'll see my blog and my um media links. so i'm on instagram facebook twitter TikTok, all of that, and it's all under blue glasses, but all the links are there, and they can email direct through the website as well if they want to get hold of me or message me through Facebook.
0: And the well-being course, can anyone join that or is it just people who live in
1: Bradford? It is just for people who've got a Bradford postcode, but we've we've already enrolled and the course has already begun. So unfortunately, nobody can sign up now. So I'm pleased to say that the course is underway. So Um, people have started on their first module this week um, and we'll be doing sort of bi-weekly check-ins online with the people who who are engaged with the program and we're getting positive feedback already so it's really quite exciting really Uh, but that's under a different website which I do recommend people look at because there's a really lovely um, art exhibition that was uh, created by my colleague which is called Stigma which is about living with mental illness and it's um, The exhibition is exhibiting works of art by people who have mental illness and that's um, cocreatearts.co.uk.
0: Okay, lovely. Well, it's been really good to talk to you today, Emma. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for having me on, Kay.
0: Thanks, Emma.